We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What's up, guys? Welcome into another edition of Bogey Free. I'm your host, Matt Jones. You can find me on Twitter at MattJonesTFR. Uh, unfortunately, Evan lost uh, lost power today, uh, but luckily Pat is uh, was available to pinch it for him. Uh, I think I maybe maybe DM'd you an hour and a half ago, tops. So yeah. I, I appreciate you coming on on such short notice. Um, yeah. You- you can uh, you can find Pat over at uh, Pat James DFS on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure you saw his show, uh, you know, ar- around the Twitter sphere. And uh, I was on it a few weeks ago. Uh, the Ride and DFS podcast. It's a great great combo of uh, some betting stuff for golf as well as uh, some DFS information each week. And you can find his work over at Four for Four and Fantasy Points. So thanks for thanks for coming on, man. How we doing? Good, good. Um... Yeah, it was, you know, last minute, didn't have anything really prepared, but I've been grinding the uh, the DFS and, and betting golf game for 
a long while. So, you know, I'm always ready to talk at the drop of a dime, but uh, at the in-laws, like I told you before. So this is a a little impromptu, just in like a spare bedroom here with an off white wall behind me, but (laughs) we're going to make it work. (laughs) Yeah, man, that's uh. I, I I'm I'm impressed that you that you said yes. So I uh, yeah this this will be fun. I uh, I know that I know the people uh, out there are uh, used to hearing me talk to smart people after my last few guests. So uh, I I didn't think they were ready to just listen to me uh, talk by myself for for half an hour. So I'm I'm glad you said yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you said you're surprised considering the circumstances i think the circumstances aided in me coming on if i was home on the couch watching a movie or something i probably would have said no but (laughs) this is a good time to get away yeah exactly so um it's obviously obviously major week uh first major of the year thank goodness uh i don't i don't think there's there's ever been a time where uh where we were able to say that in august but uh it's here now and um although i guess in uh in where the course is, it, it doesn't really look like August. Uh, watching some watching some clips uh, so far from practice rounds and such, uh, they look pretty bundled up out there on the bay. So uh, could be could be a little interesting for uh, for for a few people, a few of the uh, the elder statesmen, uh, if if the weather is a little bit colder than expected. Yeah, I already saw Tiger's press conference. He was already mentioning that he's not going to have full range of motion and the back's probably going to be creaking and cracking. Maybe uh, he might be someone to, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to put too much weight into 60 degrees versus 80 degrees, but there definitely will be um, some minor tweaks that, that I do make for sure. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll definitely be interesting as uh, you know, I, I just sort of ran my, my first basic ownership projections. Um, and I think this is one of those weeks where it's it's probably going to change uh, change quite a bit by the time that I finalize them tomorrow night. Um, so wherever, if you're listening to this and you uh, you're subscribed anywhere and look at ownership projections, make sure make sure that you're following along all the way through to the end because there's a ton of content I'm sure that still uh, has yet to come out, and uh, you know that that definitely sways things. So. Um, speaking of which, we're going to start off with our usual uh, buy or sell segment. Just a couple of guys who, uh, whether it's because of form or course history or, you know, looking at fan share, they're getting a lot of buzz or some combination of the three. Uh, some guys that I think we definitely need to talk about. Uh, starting up at the top, we have Xander Shoffley at $10,000 even. Um what what are you what are you doing with Xander? Are you prioritizing him, or are you uh, are you selling? What's what's your what's your strategy here with him? Yeah, so Xander's an outright bet for me this week, um, and I think everybody's kind of seeing the same thing. He's been playing, I mean, just great since the restart. Um, I have him eighth in form since the restart, and if we're gonna make a big deal out of driving the golf ball this week he is one of the better total drivers of the golf ball he's not the longest but he hits it long and he's not the straightest but he hits it straight and you know oftentimes you're going to find that the guys that hit it long are not up there in accuracy and the guys that hit it accurately are not up there in distance but he's up there pretty much in both uh, or at least I should say that his accuracy doesn't leave 
um, you know, shaking in your shoes that he's going to be in the rough on every hole. But so yeah. that's why I think um, I'm on Xander this week. I mean, if you look at last week, he just always seems to have, and the weeks prior, he always seems to have one round last week, one hole that, that just, um, you know, kind of takes him out of contention. If he can avoid that, I think he'll be uh, top of the leaderboard on Sunday. Yeah, I think I think that that's uh, you know it, it was frustrating because we we looked at his numbers. What from I guess it was the Memorial. Uh, he lost like five strokes putting or something crazy like that. And then we're like, you know, if he can if he could just putt, he's going to be in it this week. And then he goes and and loses a bunch of strokes on approach last week. And it's like if we could if we could just find a middle ground and or not you know have that just disastrous quad that he had uh, you know we're we're probably we're probably talking about him even more although right now I the the model spit out uh, spit him out as the top owned guy uh, on the slate um, right around twenty five percent so. <clears throat> I think, you know, from the from the game theory stuff that that I've put out on over at Rotoviz, I think that um it's probably one of those situations where I'm going to uh, just have to have to go underweight. Um again, that's not those aren't for that's not for golf reasons, that's just for for ownership purposes. Um I I think that a lot of sharp people probably have either outrights or, or top five bets on him this week, and I don't think that there's I don't think there's anything any reason you know not to uh, not to believe in that. But uh, it's one of those situations where if it does if it does go sideways for him, uh, he could uh, you know a fade a fade could pay off here, and I think there's going to be some some under owned uh, you know supremely talented golfers up at the top this week. So uh, we, you know, we kind of want to hopefully try and take advantage of that. Or you just, you just say, you know, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to triple the field and I'm just going to have like 60% of them. And you could, you could do that too, uh, if you're that confident. But um, for me, I'll, I'll probably end up somewhere in the range of like half of whatever his projected ownership is not, not a total fade. Um, but I've been, I've been sort of, limiting myself to to that exposure with guys all the way up at the top like this yeah i'll probably be in the same boat and and even despite the fact that i have an outright i'm such a hedger i'm such a you know try to grind out a profit any way i can a lot of times i will um be underweight on guys that i have outrights on because i know that that's kind of a natural hedge so you know xander probably will be an even or a little bit underweight for me as well but i wouldn't be surprised um to see him hoist the Wanamaker on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. And he it seems like seems like he uh you know shows up. He has some solid major finishes in general. Um and you know these these stronger field events uh it seems to bring out sort of an extra gear in him. Um so hopefully hopefully for uh for the old bankroll that that happens for you. Um yeah. Moving down uh, in salary a little bit to Daniel Berger, he's eighty eight hundred. Uh, obviously, he's been playing just. I mean, with the with the exception of uh, that miscut at the Memorial, he's had six uh, top tens out of the last seven starts. Um, what are What are your thoughts generally on Berger? Um, he personally, for me, is a guy that I really just never get right for whatever reason. Um, 
I, I've been I've been frustrated uh, rostering him to the point where sometimes I'm just like I just can't I can't even submit you know <laughs> subject myself to this. Um, but what are what are your thoughts on Berger at 8800? Uh, yeah. Are you you going in? Yeah, he's another outright for me. I mean, you those all three guys that you have on this fire cell type list is our guys that I have outrights on and I only have six at this point so you uh I don't know if you're reading my mind here or what but the thing with Berger <laughs> is I've always had a natural I've always had a natural bias against him because in I think it was 2016 at a WGC he uh showed up teed up one ball and and then withdrew uh shortly thereafter with an injury and I have a ton of them and ever since then I you know you know how you just develop you develop those um you know implicit biases against certain guys in all different uh in all different dfs sports or betting or whatever but um no this week i'm in on him like you said the miscut at the memorial is the is really the only thing and he he still gains strokes at the memorial um off the tee and on approach he's if you look at his strokes gain t to green over the last five six seven tournaments he's just absolutely um, you know, dialed in. And I liked what I saw on Sunday. That's a little bit of momentum. And the price, I think he's a, he's around enough guys in, in his price range that he might be a little bit under-owned um, relative to what people are thinking. Not under-owned like 5 6%. He's probably going to be pretty popular. But, you know, you have guys like DJ right there. You have Tiger right above him. Um, Morikawa and Hovland right under him. So I think that ownership in that range might be a little bit spread out unless people just make entire teams out of that range yeah i mean even even can't lay uh you know six hundred dollars more than him is you know probably going to be uh pretty pretty close ownership wise and you could you could see a scenario where people end up you know even from like from Webb to morikawa you, I could see a situation where like two of those guys for whatever reason just get super popular, but I could also see, you know, all of them coming in at like 17% or something like that. Uh, and then you're really, you're, you're in a, you're in a better spot, um, you know, playing him. I think I'll probably match whatever my ownership projection is, uh, with my exposure, but, um, you know, for, for a couple of, a couple of the reasons that we've already mentioned. So, um, I like him. I uh, will we'll talk about a couple of the other guys in that range once we get to uh, the pivots. But there's there's definitely a lot to like, uh, obviously, in a, in a major field throughout most of the salary scale. So um, last guy I wanted to uh, chat about with you for this segment was uh, Adam Scott. He is seventy eight hundred. We obviously haven't seen him in a while, um, but you know, he's, he's one of the guys on tour that doesn't necessarily make a ton of starts to begin with. Um, we saw him win the Australian PGA in December and then not play until like, you know, after Valentine's day for the Genesis and he came back and won. Um, so I mean, granted, we don't know a ton about his current form. I I think talent wise, um, if he had made one start, since the restart, I think his ownership probably would would be through the roof. Um, but I do think he's an interesting an interesting uh, guy to sort of talk your talk through with your process. So are you? I mean, I guess you you kind of 
you kind of spoiled it for us already if you have an outright on him. But uh, what are you doing with him uh, in DFS? Yeah, I mean, all the three guys that that you've mentioned already, uh, like Scott was, I wasn't going to be in on him, but he was 75 to one. So, you know, I'm I'm lukewarm, but at 75 to one, I had to pull the trigger. And the same thing with Berger. I actually tweeted it on Saturday or Sunday that he was still floating around 70 to 80 to one, even though he was making that run and he had had all these top tens under his belt and the stats just line up. And all of a sudden, Monday morning, he was down to 30 to one. So. I really pulled the trigger on Berger and Scott just because of the numbers. But, um, yeah, I mean, one of the things I really like about Adam Scott here is the fact that he hits his long irons really well. He's top five in the field at 200 plus, And I think there's going to be some of those, uh, some of those approaches from that proximity. Um, and then he's, he's dynamite from even shorter, like, uh, you know, 75 to 125. He pops there too. And I think some of the holes, um, there's a few holes, few par fours that are pretty short, uh, in addition to some of them that are pretty long. And I think, you know, his skill set just sets up well. He he pounds the ball. Um, he's one of the guys that can get a little wayward off the tee. But um, overall, uh, I'll have to look at and see what the ownership projections um, from different sites kind of say about him. But um, he's another guy, like you said, if he played a tournament or two and had a decent showing, I think, you know, like Tommy Fleetwood did, I think uh, Scott would be right up there. Yeah, I think uh, as far as ownership goes sort of around him, uh, I think Fleetwood and Answer both at 7,700 probably suck away a lot of ownership that that could have went to him. Um, so that's that's just, a, you know, an added bonus. Um, if you're if you're in on him, I think that it'll probably it'll probably come in a little bit lower uh, his ownership will come in a little bit lower than it should. Um, so yeah, I think, I think those three guys are, uh, you know, Shoffley and Berger definitely projected to be more owned, uh, relative to their salary ranges, but Adam Scott, because of the layoff, I think was just important to, to make sure we hit. I want to remind you guys about our sponsor deal dash. Have you ever heard of deal com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. So go to DealDash.com, use the offer code ROTOVIZ or DealDash.FM slash ROTOVIZ. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash ROTOVIZ. The other site I want to remind you guys about is Bet Online. Sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball has finally kicked off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. With the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. 
Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Let's uh, let's jump into the matchup. Our matchup is being presented by BetOnline.ag. Um, we have a couple of guys up at the top: Brooks Kepka at minus one hundred eight versus Bryson at minus one twelve. Um, Brooks is actually more expensive on DraftKings. Um, I mean, it's kind of kind of a coin flip, and there was there was no way he wasn't going to be over eleven k. In a major week during on DraftKings, so um, what are your what are your thoughts on on that matchup uh, for for Brooks and Bryson? Yeah, I'm pretty. For me, it's it's almost a coin flip, um, and because I think Brooks will be more popular. That's my personal opinion. I don't know, like uh, you know, what your ownership ownership projections say or what. Um, Oh wait a minute! This is a matchup bet, right? Is this a one v one or is this like a yeah, just just straight like, straight like matchup? If I'm, going, if I'm going to the book, what am I yep. taking here? Yeah, mm. that's different. So I, I'm taking Brooks there. So and that just tells you how split I am. I was I was about to say Bryson because I think he's going to come in a lot lower owned. However, um, if I'm just if I'm just taking that as a as a matchup bet, it's going to be Brooks. Um, I think. You know, and the thing with Bryson is he's trying to just smash the ball. If he is to, you know, take some woods, maybe take driver out of his hand on some of these holes that um, he he could get in some trouble, I wouldn't, I, I think maybe, but I think, you know, he's just, I don't know if it's almost, you know, too much confidence or what, but he is just trying to absolutely pound the ball no matter what, cut every corner, and I think that gets him in trouble. Um, I think Brooks is is about to peak at the right time. Too bad it wasn't last week at thirty three to one for for guys that had tickets on him. Uh, but it just looks to me like, um, yeah, like Brooks is is someone who is going to um, come into this event with some momentum, and you know they match up. Their stats are, are you know match up pretty well. Um, though Brooks, Brooks does pop on, I have it sorted here by par 70s, difficult par 70s. And he, um, he's top, he comes top 10 in this model if you sort just by difficult par 70s. So I think, I think I would go with Brooks, especially at that number. Yeah, I think, I think you, uh, you, you kind of nailed all of, all of the reasons. The, the simulator, uh, that I have, up for you know the range of outcomes on on Rotoviz has uh, has Bryson as a favorite. Um, I, I think <clears throat> I think a lot of the reason for that is that Brooks uh, it sort of views Brooks as like an all or nothing sort of deal. <clears throat> his uh, his distribution is very uh, you know very U shaped. It, it feels like there's a ton of you know top eights and a ton of just implosion miscut type deals. Uh, whereas Bryson is a little bit more, not, not a huge jump as far as like, you know, top 10 probability, um, but just flatter throughout and, and has less, uh, you know, less miscuts. So, uh, I mean, I, 
in all of these, I, I typically just sort of lean, uh, when we're talking about like these elite golfers, I typically would just lean with, you know, the, whatever, whoever the underdog is just because I think that we're, we're usually, uh, we're usually just splitting hairs, um, in, in this range, you know, like if you're telling me like, Oh, are you going to play? Are you, would you rather have JT or, or, (laughs) or Rom? It's like, all right, well, they're, they're both pretty good and it's probably, yeah. it's probably worth it just to be like, you know what, I'm going to take, you know, if, if there were plus money, um, I think that that's typically the play with these types of head to heads, um, unless there's some, you know, extenuating circumstance that, that changes that pretty drastically. But I, I am curious to see how Bryson attacks the course. I think that, um, you know, we, we saw him play, uh, what was Harbor town? He was in the top 10, um, and seemed like he made a lot of good decisions and it seems like right. all he like used up all his good decisions there and like has run out of good decisions and is just kind of trying to bomb and gouge everything. So, um, and I think the, I think when he hears the narrative of, Oh, you know, you really need to be, you need to be long, and straight here, he just hears long and just wants to do that and doesn't really doesn't really have a care in the world. So um, it'll be interesting. Like if if he starts, if he gets to a point where he's um, you know pulling pulling those woods, then I think that he could very easily compete here. Um, but I don't know if he has that in his you know his mental bag or whatever. I think one thing that Bryson, I mean, I know that the one advantage that Bryson has uh, is the putter. He's been, he's crazy. He's, yeah. Just such a good putter. And some of the, some of the misses I saw from Brooks uh, this week at, at St. Jude and really since the restart kind of, kind of baffling, like, you know, the camera gets right down there on the ground. I can see the line. Right. You, you would you think he can see it him and his caddy have it figured out and then he you know just completely pushes it left completely pushes it right i saw there was a few over the weekend at saint jude where i was like my goodness like he didn't even start it on the right line and it's easy for me to say you know a friggin 15 handicap sitting here i half the time i um blow a 10 feet by but uh you know bryson has just been so lights out with the putter that i think he could make up a lot of strokes there over the course of four rounds yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's jump into some, some pivots here. Uh, we, we obviously already discussed, uh, Xander up in this range, but if you had to, had to pick your favorite play, uh, above 9,500, where would you, where would you lean here? Oh man. He's my least favorite human above 9,500 here, but I, I like John Rahm this week. It pains me to say it. I, I was all over him at work day and he, he aggravated the out of me. And then he comes back. I don't have any of them and I don't have an outright on him at Memorial and just ridiculous, just wins. But like I said with Xander, uh, Rahm amplifies the total driving, right? He is yeah. accurate off the tee and he is extremely long off the tee. So those are the guys that I think I am going to put a premium on this week, him and Xander, but definitely Rom is my favorite from over, uh, from over 10 K. He has been, you know, pretty good on approach, good enough. And his around the green game is good. We saw him chip in, even though he fluffed the ball a little bit, uh, <laughs> at Memorial, but, uh, or at Mirfield. 
I'm not even sure. I'm losing track of all these uh, restarts, and they're, they're, none of them are on the right day. So, yeah. So, I mean, uh, very few guys are accurate in long. He is. He's good around the green. His putting's been pretty good. Um, uh, he, he Like, literally in this model, uh, across the board, there isn't a stat that, you know, says maybe we should rethink John Robb. So that's that's why, like, everybody up top, like, JT's is is a little bit wayward off the tee. Brooks isn't the best around the green. Rory um, has been pretty bad. Everything minus off the tee. Um, you know, Bryson can get hot-headed and smash them all over the place. And Xander could have blow-up holes. So I think, you know, Rahm is maybe the safest, I would say. Uh, but also, I think he, he definitely has um, a, a really good shot at winning this tournament. Yeah, I mean, again, I think I think likely we are uh we're we're usually just splitting hairs up at the top here. Um as far as as far as I am am looking at this, I think that uh from a win equity or maybe a top 5 equity to ownership, I think that I think Webb is is pretty high up there. Um obviously not not the uh you know, not the not the bomber that that the, some of the rest of these guys are, but he can definitely keep it straight. He can definitely putt, um, and I think that uh, I think it's just one of those things where he's he's just going to be way way low owned uh, by the time everybody lands on on Xander and Cantlay. I think that it, there's not going to be a lot of a lot of lineups that. Uh, that land on him when they have, you know, 10,000 left, like people are just going to click Xander. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty interested in him. He's one of the, uh, I guess he's fourth in the power ranking score tied for fourth in the power ranking score this week and has the fourth most wins. Um, and let's see. Yeah. And the fifth most top five. So, versus ownership i think that that's uh that's probably going to be a lock for me um and we'll we'll see where we'll see where those chips fall <laughs> yeah i mean he he normally plays well on par 70s he's always been a par 70 guy and uh, like you said the putter is usually lights out um he usually uh, the approaches are usually good you would think that maybe the distance gets him this week but uh if he's hitting, if he's in the middle of the fairway and he's using long iron, I'll take that over, you know, Bryson trying to hack it out of knee length or ankle deep rough from yeah. from a hundred yards, you know, for sure. And I, I, I think pretty sure I've had an outright on Web all six or seven tournaments he's played since the restart. <laughs> so I mean, he did he did come through for me at the RBC, but um, I'm sure this week now that I don't have him, uh, he'll win by about seven strokes. Yeah, he just he's just one of those guys that I think is just like just constantly undervalued and underappreciated. I mean, I guess his outright number has has creeped a little bit lower as of late. I think I saw him at like maybe like 28 or something in that in that neighborhood. So, if you can if you could find like a, a 33 or a 35 on him somewhere, I think that that I think I would I would really like that. Um yeah. I'm so yeah, his, I'm just looking at his his strokes gain numbers here. Outside of Memorial, um, just been since the restart, um, and then obviously he didn't do he didn't fare so well 
in the first tournament back at, at Charles Schwab. But man, you know, when he clicks, he clicks. And yeah. maybe this course, the length of this course gets him. But if not, if we're over analyzing that, because like, I mean, what are you, that's a, a question that I have for you. What are you, like the card says 7,200. They say it's going to play 7,400. I've seen quotes from players saying with the wind and with the tee positions, it feels more like a 7,600 yard course. Like, I don't know how long this course is. Yeah, which is which is obviously uh, obviously going to be um, very frustrating, and we're we're probably not we're not going to have the the total right answer to that at any point. I think the the biggest thing uh, for me would probably just be, you know, how how would he or how would any of these guys perform? Uh, how did they perform last year at Bethpage? Right, like mm-hmm. you're you're not going to find a much longer. Um, a longer track regardless of conditions you know relative to par i think it, whatever whatever the the actual official scorecard play uh says about each black is also a lie just because everything it, it feels like everything is uphill there like i've played it a couple times myself and obviously been to uh you know when the open was there in the pga and what was he you know t- he was in the top 30 last year um so I'm not I'm not overly concerned. I think we've seen, um, like you said, he's just he's just sort of solid all around, and he's one of these guys that can make up for strokes uh, and sort of takes what the course gives him, like sort of the antithesis of Bryson, right? Like yep. he he will he will do the right things and and do like the you know the management type stuff that will um, you know hopefully hopefully lead to success more often than not, like. We've seen him, like you mentioned, the memorial. Like he just he lost his irons, um, but he came back and gained four strokes on approach last week. So I'm not, I'm not too uh, too worried about that. And I guess I guess we'll see. But like I say, uh, as far as ownership goes, he's going to be under owned. Um, he'll probably be one of those guys that a lot of people talk about. Like I said, and just don't click. So um, we'll uh, we'll we'll see how that rolls. Uh, how about how about this next range? It's kind of a it's kind of a tight uh, a tight range, but I meant we sort of uh, talked about a couple of these guys already. We have Cantlay Woods, DJ Berger, Morikawa, and Hovland uh, in this eighty five to ninety five hundred dollar range. All uh, seem to be either talked about or you know trending towards being uh, pretty heavily owned. Do you who's your who's your favorite here? So Morikawa um, just has too many things in his favor here. He's another guy that is very, very straight off the tee. Not the longest, but he can, it's not, distance isn't something that is, he's not Jim Fury. He's not Brendan Todd, right? Um, He gets the ball out there and he hits it straight. He's a pretty much a local kid. His approaches, his, you know, just the proximities that um, I was looking at this week from the irons, everything. Um, has been, you know, except for, honestly, except for, you know, maybe his around the green game, he struggles a little bit. So if he doesn't hit uh, a ton of greens, but these greens are pretty big um, comparatively. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, I think he's going to be in position to score a lot. Um, I don't know if he's familiar with the course. I know that um, he's played it before. I, I've read that. I don't know if he, you know, has played it a ton. Uh 
but uh, Morikawa definitely my favorite. I think he's going to be really popular though. So lineups that I have Morikawa, I'm probably going to make sure that I have at least one or two other guys that aren't crazy popular, or you know, make sure that I am um, a little bit under the 50k salary limit to to differentiate there. Yeah, I I agree. I, I Morikawa is definitely um, definitely going to be my favorite here. If if DJ seemed like he was going to be under owned, I would be very tempted. Uh, but I I don't think I don't think people are um, are going to allow that to happen. So <laughs> a nine thousand dollar DJ will probably be uh, a little bit more popular than his form suggests he should be. So uh, I agree, Morikawa is is definitely my favorite in that range. Um, and I'm genuinely concerned about Hovland's short game uh, if he's if he's missing oh. greens at all. Um, that, that one duff that he had, uh, I, I don't remember if it was sat. I think it was Saturday. Um, yeah, he just, lasted off, but it was still terrible. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's legitimately concerning if there's going to be any kind of, any kind of rough here. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love Hovland. I, I think that he'll, you know, he'll be fine in the long run, but right now that that's a little concerning. <laughs> Yeah, um, and it looked it looked like he righted the ship because I'm a Hovland guy. I have an outright on him from a couple weeks ago at sixty five to one. So um, I probably you know his number now is like in the high thirties or maybe forty. I wouldn't touch it at that number, and I probably even if, at sixty five, I don't even know if I'd be interested just in the way he's playing um, around the green, like he said. But man. Uh, everything else is just lights out and it's going to click for him at some point. That's for sure. Uh, and he yeah. was trending like his numbers after the restart around the green, like he looked pretty confident at those first couple tournaments. Um, but it looks like he might be coming unraveled again. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I make him plus 9,500 right now in the simulator. So I, uh, I yeah I wouldn't be I wouldn't be chasing his numbers uh, currently for that's for sure. Um, so jumping down again, uh, this this eighty four to seventy five hundred dollar range. Um, there's obviously a ton of guys that that we would that we would typically be clicking on in a normal week. Um, but who is who is sort of head and shoulders above everybody else right now for you? Is do you have one favorite? Um, I have a lot. This guy, this range is going to be like my bread and butter. I think, uh, it's, it's like, like we already said, I like Adam Scott. Um, I'm probably going to name every guy that you, that you want to talk about here, but, um, so I think Hatton's going to be too popular for me. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he contends on Sunday, but I think his number is going to be too popular. So I'll probably pivot to, I think I love answer have a, an outright on him, but I think he is going to be a little too popular for 7,700. So I'm going to say Justin Rose um, coming off three missed cuts. I mean, just class golfer, great putter, great par 70 player, um, you know, decent driver of the golf ball. He's one of the guys that rates out total driving pretty, pretty well. Um, you know, he's, he's, above average in, in length and above average in accuracy. So I think that'll suit him well. And I just think that's a, that's a, an ownership play for me. I, I love yeah. the whole range be, to be honest, but um, I mean, Justin Rose at 70 at 7,800, I know it's a competitive field, but we're talking about a guy that um, 
is is a class player. Yeah, I I I don't I don't mind that. Um, this this is probably going to be a situation where uh, I am going to pick my three favorites in this range and literally just lock them into the the whole one fifty. Um, I would not I would not suggest that for. <laughs> for everybody but it's sort of how i've been uh how i've been attacking things recently um i think that uh you know fleetwood answer hatton are definitely going to be the most owned in this range uh so i will probably end up picking picking two of those uh and going um honestly i i think that i think gary woodland is probably going to be one of the guys that uh i feel well well i i know for sure he's going to be under owned um and i think that he he provides uh you know enough sort of i i hate like floor you know what i mean but i think that he has enough cut equity uh that and mm. that lower ownership that i think that he um he he he'll just be valuable uh as like a, a high exposure play as as long as you're mixing in, you know, super super high upside guys uh, throughout the rest of the rest of your build, we've seen him sort of play a little bit of whack a mole lately, right? Like he he putted really well at workday um, and was sort of okay with his long game. Uh, then he was really sharp with his irons at Memorial and and sort of lost it off the tee. That came back a little bit last week, but then he lost it with his irons a little. Like he's he's sort of been a little bit all over the place. Um, but I don't really, I don't, I don't think that he has a ton of, you know, just like, a, you know, a 77 uh, on Thursday to just completely, completely rule him out of, of making the cut and, you know, being okay. Yeah. Woodland's one of my dudes. He's a guy like, he's like the opposite of, of Rom for me. I love Gary Woodland. I don't know if you saw his special with Faraday. Um, they played it about a thousand times. <laughs> over the over the course of quarantine so i i just literally watched it on repeat they did it um on the floor of uh kansas's basketball university yeah. kansas basketball uh court so i mean it, the the my only issue with woodland is, is around the green game like you mentioned so if he's not dialed in with the irons i don't think he's saving a ton of pars um but luckily for him if he is which i mean he could we've seen him be lights out with his long irons um, and he's, he's real crafty, you know, like he, he shapes balls, he can flight balls and he can definitely, um, you know, be the opposite of Bryson as well and work around a course. So I like him. I like that call. I'll def- he'll definitely be in my player pool. Um, but if he's missing greens, he'll be, he'll be uh, home on Sunday. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's hit some, some deeper plays here. Uh, obviously, you know, there, there's a ton of guys at, at 7,500 and below, um, again, that we would, that we would typically like to play. Uh, it does get pretty gross all the way down at the bottom with a lot of names that, that nobody's ever heard of, obviously. Well, yeah, that'll Um, happen when, that'll happen when they allow 20 club pros in the tournament, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I think, I, I always think that getting... If you can get like 
decent exposure to to two guys from 6800 to 7500 um that do really well i think you're you're just in in line for a smash unless you make some really bad decisions elsewhere um so who's who are a couple you know we'll maybe try and stick to two here uh who are your who are your two favorites in this range and i can go first if you want yeah, go ahead because I don't want to keep taking all your guys. But and then once then I'll then I'll be able to name everybody I like once you say your <laughs> your guys. So yeah, Harris English is a guy um, who I think I probably have run like hottest and and coldest with him. Like there there's not really there's not really much of an in between. Obviously, he went through. Uh, I guess it was 2018 where he like literally couldn't buy a cut. Um, but it seems like he's, he's really sort of, sort of figured things out over his last, uh, his last three starts. He's been in the top 20 every time uh, playing just good all around golf. Like he's gaining strokes in every category. Um, almost in, in each of those three starts, I think he slightly was negative uh, off the tee maybe last week. Um but I think that he has he has a decent amount of of upside. Not the not the longest longest guy, but just sort of sort of average. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's going to kill him this week because he will he will find fairways for sure. Um, so I think Harris English at seventy two hundred is is sort of a steal. Um, he has he has an eighty eight uh, in the power ranking score. Which is which is just completely ridiculous for a guy who's seventy two hundred, and um, I'm pulling it up now. He he popped like crazy in the simulator. He's he has the seventh most wins uh, in the simulator, and I make him <clears throat> I make him like plus forty one hundred, and I think he still has like one fifties floating around on him. So uh, that's that's something that I'm that I'm very interested in this week. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm always an English guy. He's he's a very good player. He's always usually a little bit underrated for sure. And then uh the the other guy that I've sort of been uh I I've probably played him too much uh since the restart, but I I just can't can't really seem to Can I guess? Yeah. Scotty Scheffler? Uh not well, him too. <laughs> he's definitely <laughs> he's definitely uh Definitely going to be there as well. Um, Cameron Tringali is uh, okay. is a guy who, um, it you know obviously he's he's sixty eight hundred for a reason. He's he's not the not the safest guy in the world, but we've seen uh, you know the last time we saw him, he was just super sharp with his irons um, and and putted well. Uh, I know we don't we don't like to just completely rely on that, but you know, that's, it's obviously better than, better than not putting well. And, um, you know, he's, he's actually plus, uh, plus driving distance most of the time that he's playing. I think he's, I think he's a little bit longer than, than people give him, uh, credit for. So I am, I'm definitely in on him, uh, this week. I'll be honest. I was not ready for Cam Tringali talk. I was not prepared (laughs) for that. Uh, so, uh, but I do. I like he's he's start. I have a start uh, next to his name. So 
that he'll be in my player pool as well. Um, everybody's going to be on Ches Revi, so let's just get that out of the way. He uh, hasn't missed a fairway in 12 years, so he'll be <laughs> he'll be in position probably a little bit, probably 20 yards behind whoever he's paired up with. But um, the problem with him is ownership. I love Ches. You know, going to probably take him to top 10, top 20. But like I said. You know that hedge equity. I'll, I'll probably be underweight on him. So let's throw Chez out. Um, my favorite guy in this range is probably Ryan Palmer. Nice. So um, here's where he pops. He pops on par seven, difficult par seventies. Uh, he's played. He's pretty much played every difficult par seventy, long par seventy that he has. He has faced. Um, he's he's done decently well, if not better than that. Um, and he's a good, he's a decent driver. Uh, he's a guy that is above average in in distance and accuracy. Um, his approaches have been really good uh, over his last few rounds. I, I just think at sixty nine hundred, I mean, like around guys like and nothing against Joel da- Joel Damon and Doc Redman. I love those guys, um, but I think Palmer is just a, just better than some of these guys down here. Mm-hmm. Um, Although this range, you know, man, I like a lot of guys in these ranges. Hen- Russell Henley pops for me. Um, he's a guy that wasn't even going to be in the field until um, a few, uh, like a week ago. And, I mean, he's he's there. He hits it straight. He's awesome on approach. Um, but the other guy that I was going to say is Joaquin Neiman at 7,300. He is a guy that's a little bit wayward off the tee, and his around the green game hasn't been great, but uh, the approaches are there. Man, can he stick an approach? Yeah. So if he is, if he can get, if he can land in the fairway more often than not, I think Joaquin Neiman can be can be up there for sure. All right, well that that makes me feel good because I uh, I wrote up I wrote up a Neiman over Phil head to head. Oh hell yeah. And I have uh, I have a Palmer over over Revy head to head as well, so I feel a little bit feel a little bit better with that. Yeah, both plus I mean, both plus odds, so that's no, that helps. That's, is that for that's for Thursday or for the whole tournament? Uh, tournament, yeah. So, I mean, for the love of for the love of Phil, I don't know, you know, his. I mean, he's going to be hitting balls into the Pacific Ocean. Uh, <laughs> you know, like he's just like he can't even. And then he he goes off and pops last week, which right. you know, uh, birdieable course last week. But I think here, where like you can you can literally get yourself in so much trouble left or right, and you know make sevens and and things like that. I think we're gonna see guys that are are supremely wayward off the tee um, have have a lot of trouble. And that's not to say that these guys can't hit a ton of fairways, like him, Bubba, Bryson, um, you know even Brooks was a little, has been, has been inaccurate as of yeah. late, at least. That's not to say they can't hit more fairways this week. And if they do, you know, see you later, they'll be, they'll be at the top of the leaderboard, but I just, I can't bet on it. Yeah. I mean, Phil, Phil has lost, uh, you know, been, been below average, uh, on fairways hit in eight of his last 10, uh, <laughs> eight of his last 10 starts so we're not we're not really uh we're not too confident in in his driver coming through 
Um, all right, so let's uh, let's hit cash locks, and and we will get out of here. I can uh, I can hit it first if you're yeah, go ahead if you're still looking. So I have uh, I mentioned both of these guys obviously already. Uh, Webb Simpson at ninety seven hundred. He is one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, tied for the fifth best power ranking score. Uh, obviously, uh, I, I don't. I think he could be, uh, you know, priced up like Bryson, and I think he's going to be a little bit under owned. So um, I like him quite a bit. And you know, sometimes you just gotta you gotta trust the numbers and and just follow the sim and go with Harris English at seventy two hundred. Um, if if the sim is even remotely remotely correct, uh, seventy two hundred is just a completely absurd price for him. So I just I have to I got to trust the trust the process here. Yeah, so I think I'm. I'll, I'll say you could lock Ravi into cash. I mean, here's the thing: it's going to be a lot easier to get six of six this week. We talked about you know some of the weird exemptions that they have, like twenty guy, twenty club pros from around the world, around the country can play in this tournament. So you got like Joe Smith and Johnny Williams that. You know, are just through a tournament. So, I mean, the, the six of six is probably going to be a little bit, the percentage through is probably going to be a little bit higher. So I think you're going to need a little bit more upside this week, you know, like, so maybe I just kind of talked myself out of Chez, uh, but for (laughs) sure, for sure I am um, locking in burger. Uh, I think he'll probably be very, very high owned, you know, all these top tens uh, over the course of the last, you know, eight, 10 tournaments make sense. And then I'll also give you Paul Casey. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Though I think I, though I think I'm going to go back to the well on Paul Casey this week in tournaments, I will say you lock in burger and this might be a little bit uh, funky, but I'm going to say Abraham answer too. like he, I can, I can't see him missing the cut, to be honest. And that might yeah. sound funny, but I think that, um, you know, his accuracy off the tee, his form, his just everything. There's just really no red flags for me with answer. And so answer and burger for me. Yeah, I like that. I, I think that uh, we didn't we didn't talk much about answer other than to to say that he was, uh, you know, going to be going to be pretty owned. But <clears throat> I think there's good reason for it. He has the 17th most wins uh, in the sim, which for for his price, I think is is pretty decent upside. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, thanks again for uh, for hopping on on such short notice. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm, again, you can you can follow Pat on Twitter at Pat James DFS. I am at Matt Jones TFR, and uh, good luck in your contest this week. And we will talk soon. See you. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.